There are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Former Navy SEAL Jeff Gum is joining us today. Jeff served our country in defense of our freedom for 10 years in the United States Navy. He was a SEAL in SEAL Team 5 with two deployments to the Middle East and served as lead petty officer of the SEAL Combatants Program. He earned his bachelor's degree in business management at the University of Central Florida and his MBA at UCLA Anderson. And he's the founder of the athleisure brand, Sunga Life. Jeff Gum is also a scientific master diver with the nonprofit Force Blue Team and serves on the board of the Adaptive Training Foundation. Jeff Gum, welcome to Next Steps Forward. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Chris. No, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, know how busy you are given your bio there. So I know you, you were, we were chatting. You've got a lot of miles to put on. So let's just get right into it. Awesome. You grew up in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania and attended the University of Central Florida, majoring in business management and entrepreneurship. Where did your passion for business and entrepreneurialism come from? My fam- a lot of members of my family were always involved in different ventures. Even, even my, my grandfather, he ended up buying, buying a farm that I, that I grew up on. My dad kind of took over that farm. Um, so that was, that's, a, that's a venture and a lot of hard work in itself. I had you know, countless chores from the time I was four years old. And then um, I ended up going down to UCF. I was actually in Army ROTC at first. And I lived with my cousin before school started because um, the Ranger Challenge started before school did. And so I, uh, I saw my, my cousin had a company. It was very successful. And I saw the life of an entrepreneur and that it was a lot of work, but also he was in control. He got to create everything that, you know, that would, that would come to him. He was in charge. The success or the failure was all on him. And I, and I loved that idea. I just wanted to go be a, be a, be, you know, special operator. Uh, Some things happened where I went to airborne school after my freshman year and all my, all my best friends there had just finished seal training. So I decided to go to go seal instead. But um, I had, I had the military goals first. And then after, after accomplishing that goal, it was, it was time to move into business. So we were chatting, you're back home in Pennsylvania right now. And I'm not going to lie. I'm a little jealous. You made the move from Pennsylvania to go to college in Florida. I'm from upstate New York, as my listeners know, went further upstate New York to Syracuse. And so didn't really get, you know, get the sense to go and get for warmer weather. So good for you. So you, you touched on your, your college briefly there. You're on this business path and then boom, 2007, you enlist in the U.S. Navy and not just the Navy, but you sign up for basic underwater demolition SEAL training in Coronado, California. That's a monumental decision. You, know, you just mentioned a bunch of your friends were doing the SEAL routine. Was that it or was there something else? It, it actually sparked my interest first. I tore my ACL when I was 16, my sophomore year playing basketball. And I was stuck in a brace. I couldn't, couldn't do anything. I realized I needed like the biggest challenge to be fulfilled. I was trying to figure out what that was. And I was like, oh, SEAL, SEAL training. And then uh, two years later, 9-11 happened. And it just reaffirmed it 100 times more, not just to go be a SEAL, to you know have a challenge and learn all this cool stuff, shooting guns, blowing stuff up, but to go after the most evil people in the world. And, uh, but I, I was, you know, I was an athlete, but I also took all the advanced classes. I kind of felt I should, I should go to college first. And then I can always have that to fall back on. And then if it turns out that I, that I don't make it, at least I had a little more, you know, life experience and everything and a good time in college. So I went, so I went and did that. And, uh, and the school I wanted to go to didn't have Navy ROTC, and um, I was looking at Rangers and I, I, and Special Forces, and so I thought I would just do do that. But then after meeting meeting SEALs and uh, hearing about everything they did in in Coronado and all their training and 
they all kind of had long hair and sideburns and they didn't march and they didn't say yes, sir. No, sir. And I just kind of fit in really well with them. And so, uh, I went off, went off to San Diego after graduating for seal training and everything and kind of, you know, went full circle and brought me back there. I feel like it was really meant to be because the chances of going to airborne school with a bunch of guys that just graduated buds might've been like one in 20. And you mentioned your interest in special forces. You touched on nine 11, was your interest always there prior to 9-11 or was that really the impetus to do something and serve your country? And like you said, go get the bad guys or did that just really solidify your, your thinking? When I was, when I was younger, I kind of wanted to be in the NBA. I love Michael Jordan and everything, but then as, uh, as I got a little older and had, had an injury, I, I realized I just, I just wanted, I wanted to go, I want to have all the skills of blowing, blowing stuff up. I want to be able to, protect my family. If anything ever happened, I was really drawn to martial arts too. And, um, and, but then after nine 11 happening, it just solidified it a hundred times more that, that it wasn't just something for me, but it was a way to go serve and my grandpa. He was a Marine as well. And so he fought in Korea. He had two purple hearts and I really looked up to him too. And so after I kind of got, you know, the seal bug in my mind, then, uh, then I, I start asking him, you know, more questions and talking to him a lot more. And he had had a really special bond with everyone he went to war with. He he did Marine reunions all all the way to the all the way to the end, and it was it was actually pretty crazy. His second lieutenant in the Korean War ended up being the grandpa of one of the officers I was at SEAL Team Five with. So I mean, what are the chances of that? Literally, it's one like direct second lieutenant ended up yeah ended up having a grandson at my seal team who was an officer so unreal that's unreal <laughs> yeah he talked about wanting to go and blow things up which i, I love that you've said that a couple of times now <laughs> i'm curious you, know, you talked about your basketball and your your passion for that were you a swimmer before you signed up for underwater demolition training you know, I did almost everything, everything but that. I played like every sport. I did soccer, kicked for the football team. I ran track, cross country. The running is probably the most important aspect of buds, like be, being being a natural runner or running running with weight. And so I was also a power lifter. I, I still have the records in my high school for my weight. I, I squatted 500 when I was like 17 and then in, in competition at the IPA. And then was running close to a five minute mile too. But uh, I didn't, I didn't really have, I had done swim lessons as a kid and at the YMCA, but uh, it was far from my specialty. And after I graduated college, I basically took six months. I got dive certified. And then I had a mentor, Mike Gecka, who was really amazing guy who taught me drown proofing and the combat side stroke. And then he set me up with a lot of, collegiate swimmers and I would just swim with them like several days a week. And then I wanted to really eliminate any weakness before I went to seal training. And it's a good thing I did. <laughs> I would say so, you know, not being able to swim and wanting to go underwater, to blow things up could cause some challenges down there. Yeah. Yeah. So our listeners know Navy SEALs are legendary warriors. How long does training last and how rigorous is it? And can you take us through an average day? Yeah. So you go, you go out to buds in Coronado and every day is different. It might be a four mile time run. It might be an obstacle course. Um, you do all these water technical skills, drown proofing where they tie your arms and legs behind your back and you have to bob in the water float in the water. But for me, I was really negative. So I had to basically dolphin kick in place. Then you swim a hundred meters back and back and forth. And then you bob again, doing flips, front flips and um, mask retrieval underwater, not tying in 15 feet of water, 50, 50 meter underwater swim. And then you have the really fun parts, which are what really get people to quit. And that is uh, running with boats on your heads. And then you do log PTs where you'll have a telephone pole and you'll lunge for miles with that thing. And then you'll do basically shoulder exercises where they, every time you beep, <laughs> they have a blow horn. It's like beep, 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 beep. And you're just lifting it up over your head every, every time you do it. 
or every beep you go down, you do a lunge, then you stand up every beep and uh, people are just collapsing all over. It's uh, and then, yeah, be between boats, logs and, and, uh, and surf torture, it's, it's pretty, pretty good. And then, then you start hell week and you do all the same things, except you uh, get three hours of sleep for the entire week. You get to, you get to eat a lot, but uh, <laughs> you need but, to eat a lot. <laughs> you need it. You need it for the energy, but, um, and then, then you make it through there. And that's basically like the selection part where, okay, now you're worth we're going to put some valuable training into you. You you've earned the right to even be trained now. And then you do some over, over the beach missions, look, start to learn a little bit of the tactical stuff. Then you go to dive training and, and you do all these really technical things where you have to take off all your gear, put it back on. They take it, the instructor will dive down, put it in, put it into a knot. You got to get it out while holding your breath. Then you go to um, out into the mountains for third phase. You do um, land navigation out there. You come back and go to the island. You have a week of pistol, week of rifle, week of demolition, a week of tactics, and then you put it all together. Field training exercises. Then you finish. You finish buds. And uh, now, <laughs> now you now you're like halfway through the training to be a seal. Then you go. SEAL qualifying training, do free fall school, um, all, all the different training that you do when you get to a team, but it's at a much lower level with, with, um, you know, guys, guys that are the same level as you, when you go to a team, you're doing it all, but you have really experienced operators. You have, you know, guys who've done multiple deployments with you. So, so it's a totally different thing. Um, but, but it goes about a year and a half. I, I kind of got injured and, and sick in two in a, in a hell week. And then my, my second class as well as when they actually figured out what I had, but, um, so it could be maybe a little over a year and a half, but for me, I, I did some extra buds. You know, if you, if you go straight through one class, it would be like seven log PTs. I ended up doing 17 log PTs because I got, I got the extra, I got the extra buds and everything, but, uh, it just made me more prepared for everything in life anyway my shoulders hurt just thinking about those 10 extra sets you had there uh after seeing yeah, what you had to do mine still hurt <laughs> <laughs> don't blame you so talking about that you mentioned your illness and doing you know some extra you know buds work was there ever time during your training that you were ready to give up and if so what kept you from throwing the towel or you know pardon the the uh, tie in here, but if the movie GI Jane is accurate, you know, ringing yourself out, which people are familiar with. Um, never did it. Did I ever like consider it for real? You have, there's a thing called monkey mind that one of my mentors told me, um, master chief guiled. And you might be walking down the street, going to do something and you just get like a terrible thought in your mind. And you think to yourself, Oh, what the heck is that? Like, that's, and as a human, you get these things that pop in your head all the time. And, and it's not your first thought who you are. It's your second thought. Your second thought like thinks, oh, what the heck was that? Like, get out of my mind. And, and that's who you really are. And so even sometimes we'd be doing something that would be relatively easy. I'd be like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. I want to quit. But immediately I'd say, shut, shut up. This is easy. This is whatever. This is what you all you want to do. So never did I consider like truly ever quitting. I could, I never could have, you know, I could, I could never quit on myself with anything, anything I'm doing. I could never go, honestly, I could never go face my friends or family or any, anything else. If I knew I, or, or even look at myself in the mirror, if I, if I quit on myself, even I had even been performance dropped I, when everything, when everything went, went wrong. They didn't know, they didn't know I was sick and my blood had become toxic and everything and all this crazy stuff happened. And I still, I was the first person that had been dropped that was allowed back into training. I, I uh, was the first person I ever diagnosed with rhabdomyolysis. And, um, and so it, um, it, yeah, it was, was, a you know, quite, quite the experience, but, but ne never did I take, take ever like a, a serious consideration of it. There was a recent tragedy involving the seals 
one candidate died during Hell Week and another was hospitalized. How does a leader know when they're pushing people too hard to achieve an outcome? And frame that if you can, not just in life and death context of the SEALs, but in the realm of everyday business. Yeah, so I don't know, this this can be a little political, but you know, that that had never happened before, where there's students who die in training, but never, never after training. And it's really disappointing that they this administration like forced perfectly healthy bud students to, you know, take a take a shot that really doesn't you know, no seals are have really been at risk or very sick from COVID. And now they're doing a shot that damages people's hearts, you know, a small percentage of people, but still it is. And then now two people, one was one died who was a he was a Yale football player, incredible athlete, and and his heart was basically damaged and he pushed through it. And then the same thing happened to another kid and he had to be hospitalized for it. So it's very disappointing, you know. Um, no. but, um, if you go into, if you go into, uh, you know, the, the military, sometimes you don't, you don't get decisions on what you're going to do there. But, uh, what was the second part of the question? Sorry. No, that's okay. And just, you know, not just life and death context of the seals, but in the realm of everyday business, how can you realize as a leader, if you're pushing people too hard? Yeah. And, and this this training is they have you know medical staff on on following everything people do if they they keep people healthy when i was when i was doing these different evolutions i would always especially the underwater stuff i would say i'm never going to come up until the task i have to do is complete because i know these instructors are here they're watching me they have great doctors and corpsmen and and seals they're ready to pull me up and revive me if anything happens so i had a lot of confidence in them and and this isn't you know this isn't the boy scouts this isn't whatever this is to be the biggest you know strongest warriors in the world i started with 253 guys and i finished with 26 occasionally accidents will happen or or there can be people that might have a small heart defect or or something um, I know that that happened a few years ago, a student aspirated water during a beehive, which is an evolution where they kind of have 30 guys all together treading water almost on top of each other. And if people start to panic, it gets it gets way worse. And if you're not like really, really comfortable in the water, you can start going up and down and like aspirating, aspirating water and everything. And and um, instructors saw him struggling and started to pull him out and and um, all of a sudden he, he, he died and they worked on him and worked on him. But, um, life, typical life is, um, is, is completely different than, than SEAL training, especially for the average person. So, and people respond differently. So sometimes you, as, as a leader, you got to be able to, to read people. It comes with a lot of emotional intelligence and, and experience where if you see, so some some people, they, all you need is a little bit of positive motivation. Some people, you gotta you gotta push. You can push them. You can push them harder and and call them out, and then uh, that'll motivate them. So, as as a leader, it's extremely important to be to have you know emotional intelligence, be able to read your people and see what you gotta do, what's gonna push people to bring bring out their best, and not and not make people uh, you know upset or feel you know, feel like they're not, not part of the group. Um, so in terms of becoming a SEAL, obviously you have to have a lot of perseverance and a resilient mindset. You know, the last couple of years, as we've gone through the pandemic and COVID and here we are at 3.0 and COVID, you know, entering our third year, we talked right for the show, people are just tired of it. They want to get on airplanes. They want to go and live their life again. But for someone who might be struggling with developing that perseverance to take their next step forward, what advice do you have for developing a resilient mindset? Just create goals and and um, take little steps toward that goal every day. You know, I didn't I didn't become a seal in one day. I I had <laughs> almost everything go go wrong along the way that nearly nearly derailed it. But uh, when you when you have these accomplishments, 
what what I thought was this horrible thing happening, being being performance dropped, getting viral gastroenteritis Friday before Hell Week started, getting rabdo during Hell Week, getting performance dropped, not knowing why I was being so weak. All these things I thought were the most horrible thing to happen to me, when in reality, they were the greatest thing to happen to me because it uh, challenged me to a whole nother level than I ever would have, than I ever would have been without being sick during that. So if you can be thankful when challenges come your way and use it as motivation and realize you're gonna, you're gonna learn so much more and it's gonna mean so much more when I made it through hell week, finally, and I called my mom and called my sister and they're all like yelling on the phone. Cause they're so excited for me because they knew like the hell I had gone through to get there like time after time, after time, after nearly failing and having my dreams ripped away, it was like the most beautiful thing in the world. And I ended up having another student in my class who he was, uh, he was younger and he made it through hell week, but I think he had been kind of, he, he had been, you know, I, the people in his boat crew might've been tough on him. He made it, but it didn't, didn't do that well. And he ended up, a lot of people get hell week depression. I had the opposite of hell week depression. I was like on the moon, but this, especially this kid had, had depression. And he went up and said he was going to go quit. And I heard that and I grab him and I'm like, if you go quit, I'm going to punch you in your face. Are you kidding me? Do you know what this took for me to get through this? Like, I, I was like, I've been, I've been going through this for 10 months and I'm finally here and you're just going to throw it away. And, and then he ended up, he didn't go quit then. And he ended up becoming like a really successful seal. He had, he had like nerve damage in his neck. And that was like a big reason he could barely lift his arms up at that point. And, uh, and so sometimes all, all it takes is that one, that one little thing that, that can, that can, that can change you there. But, um, I'm afraid to ask what you qualify as a successful seal. So we'll save that maybe for another time. <laughs> so as we strive for personal empowerment in our daily lives and careers, what are some tips for maintaining our focus and drive? So that we're always working towards the things that are most important to us. You know, it's, it's good to have kind of, if you have a certain number, like whether it's like a, you know, teammates or like, best friends, different people who are experts in different, different areas too, that, because I don't, that's been one of the most important things for me going through business is because I don't have, especially coming from the Navy and military, I don't have the answers to everything, but I have like friends and, and mentors who, who, um, whether it's finance or accounting or, you know, computer development or crypto or whatever, and, and, uh, within like one, one person, one, I can, I can reach out to them and, uh, get, get help or get advice in these certain subjects and then figure out the best way to move on from there. And from having this like diverse, like group of friends who are experts in so many different areas, then, then it, it's a big reason I've been successful in so many different areas in my life. So you obviously persevered through a lot to become a Navy SEAL, again, going through the, the challenges you faced. But sometimes, whether it's being, you know, budge training, whether it's in life, whether it's in business, we need to pivot and, and look to a plan B. What does it look like so you know the difference between pivoting and simply giving up? Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite like things there is knowing when to pivot and when, when to persevere. Persevering is um, like the story of when I was young in 20, 20, 23, 24. And I pushed through, persevered through SEAL training when, when things, you know, were, had, had gone wrong. And then a time I pivoted was when, you know, I had a successful career as a SEAL. I had injured my back on my second deployment in the Middle East and it kept getting worse. I had a spine surgery, I had to fly to Landstuhl like halfway through deployment in Germany. They did surgery there. I became an instructor where I could basically pick and choose where, when I'm going into, um, when I'm going to train and when I'm not. And then it just started, kept getting worse and worse and realized I couldn't go back to a SEAL platoon. And I had always been drawn to entrepreneurship and I had had that goal from 
from the beginning too. And I realized it was time to, you know, go after that second goal. I had, I had had a great career, become a sniper, a breacher, multiple deployments on the, on the West coast, became, became an instructor, led training, led all the hand to hand combat for the seals, uh, trained other special operations forces around the world. And, uh, I realized I could take that unique background and apply it to business and, uh, do my, do my MBA as well. I had, I had seen friends who did their MBA at Wharton and were living in LA and they were very successful. So I was drawn to, um, going, going that route. And, um, I thought I could still have a lot of impact and continue to serve through, I started getting my first experiences, helping out with different foundations. And I'd walked across Greece from Sparta to Thermopylae, raising money for, uh, the Navy SEAL foundation there. And so, and did some work with the adaptive training foundation in the beginning. So found all these other ways to continue to serve. And we've been talking to Jeff gum. We'll be coming back right after a short break. And when we do, we'll be talking about how he successfully got to the other side with his company, athleisure brand, Sunga life, his charitable activities, and much, much more. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to next steps forward to reach chris meek or his guest on the show today please call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to chris at nextstepsforward.com now back to this week's show we are back with today's guest jeff gum Jeff served 10 years in the United States Navy as a SEAL in SEAL Team 5, earned his bachelor's degree in business management at the University of Central Florida, an MBA at UCLA Anderson, and funded the athleisure brand, Sunga Life. Jeff, a successful entrepreneur must have a product that people want. How and where did you find the inspiration for a winning product that people wanted as a Navy SEAL? Yeah, so I'd gone, I'd gone to Brazil with the Gracie family who created jiu-jitsu and UFC, and I saw everyone like wearing singles down there. And, you know, I had my board shorts and I was going in the water, getting wet and just walking around in a soggy pair of shorts while my friends would just dry off super fast. And I'm like, okay, I need some of these sungas. It's kind of like a hybrid between shorts and a speedo. And then I was talking to a girl too. And I'm like, Oh, I need to get some of these. And she's like, Oh yeah, they're so sexy on men. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get a bunch of these. And I bought a bunch and started wearing them all over the world. And then everyone's like, where can I get them? Where can I get them? Where can I get them? And I'm like, I realized um, at that time I was going to be getting out of the SEAL teams and wanted to kind of create, I'd been drawn to entrepreneurship, wanted to create my own company, but didn't know what to, what to make. And so I, I'm like, oh, found a product and, and made that. 
and made it a patriotic and all about freedom and then started sponsoring different charity events. And, and so uh, Sunga Life was born. So inspiration isn't enough. And clearly having a woman in Brazil tell you that Sungas are sexy is enough inspiration, I think. <laughs> but as Thomas Edison said, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. What happened after inspiration hit and how much work went into developing the product and launching the company? Yeah, it's been unreal how much, how much work it, it takes and uh, creating my first products. Even I was using Amazon at first and I would have my products all ship in to my apartment and then I would basically package everything up, ship them out to Amazon and, and um, would product, other products or shipments would come in and I started making all kinds of stuff that went along with the brand, sunglasses, headbands. And uh, yeah, it was, it's unreal how much work it took. And then also I got my application into UCLA started there, started taking everything I learned from business school and applying it back to my brand, um, brought it kind of through the entrepreneurship pipeline. Um, and then it ended up being my master's thesis at UCLA as well and built my team with other MBA students and, and, um, sort of contracting all different kinds of positions from the marketing to, you know, email, Facebook ads, Google ads, the warehouse, uh, pulled all my stuff off of Amazon because I realized they're not a very good partner. Um, and and uh, yeah, all these different things. It was like juggling a million different things, but it was exciting at the same time. I won't tell Jeff Bezos what you just said, <laughs> but I love the fact that you were doing your own fulfillment and then you're using your MBA classmates as your, essentially your interns to, to, yeah. to jumpstart the shot in the arm for the company. So that's uh, American totally. ingenuity right there. Brilliant. So I'm going to go off track a little bit here for a moment, but I have to ask, obviously you were in Brazil when you came up with the idea for single life, as just mentioned, do SEALs have to worry about their personal safety either here on U.S. soil or traveling abroad? You know, you don't want to be making too, it depends where you go. And in Brazil, you don't really have to worry about, uh, you know, terrorism, but it can be there's areas that are that are not safe for sure now i was with my friends who are all grew up in that area they all speak portuguese they're they're all professional fighters and everything and they have uh, i would go to the uh, bobi headquarters too if you ever saw the movie tropa g elite and it's about these uh um, they're kind of like the SWAT, but they go out and fight like gangsters in the favelas and kind of drug dealers and all, all kinds of things like nightly. It's almost like every night they deploy to a war zone. And um, so I, I got to go and hang out on their, their base, meet the guys, do all that. But then, you know, but where, where I go, where I go there, I'm with, I'm with people that know the good places to be. They're all my translators as well. It's what it's a, it's a positive and a negative because most of them all speak English too. So I haven't learned as much Portuguese as I should, but <laughs> there's time. Um, yeah. But there's, um, you know, other, I've always been pretty everywhere I go. I even people say, Oh, we foreigners don't like Americans or this or that or whatever. Everywhere I've ever gone, people love America nonstop. I I'll wear an American flag headband and everyone will come up and be like, it's so awesome. You're from the USA. And, uh, and then friends I'll meet over there, they'll send me like Instagram, like stories or things of them, like waving an American flag to like say hi again and everything. They, so it's, it's always been, I've always had great relationships with people I meet overseas. So back to Sunga life, you know, we're, we've moved on from your apartment and you're, you're doing your own fulfillment and you're, you're interns from school. Where's the company based? How do you produce your line of clothes? Where do you sell them? And more importantly, how can our audience learn more about your products and your mission? Yeah, so originally I I was manufacturing in, in the US and in California, but they were they were a little hard to work with. Uh, they won't always get back to me and stuff. So I ended up finding someone that made these patches and I saw like these American flag patches and bone frog patches or different military patches. And I'm like, Oh, I want to, I want to use these patches for, um, for my swimwear. And it's actually 
you can kind of see this one here. So oh, yeah. they, um, they, they're like, Oh, what's it for? And, and I'm like, Oh, it's for the swimwear. They go, Oh, we could, we could make that for you. I'm like, Oh, where are you guys based? And they're like Pakistan. And I think I'm like, Oh, I, I didn't want to make my stuff really over there, but they're like, Oh, we'll, we'll make a sample for you. They made an incredible sample. It was like a, you know, very small business. It was his son and his dad. And I realized they're like really good guys over there, really hardworking, really hungry for, for the work. And they ended up making, making incredible uh, samples for me. And then from there, I was able to take all my ideas and put it into action. And they've been an incredible partner and really helpful with uh, my, my growth and everything. And, uh, and then I have a warehouse in San Diego. It's a fulfillment warehouse. Actually, a former SEAL instructor of mine, Ryan Williams, he owns Industry Threadworks and they do private label, but also fulfillment. So they, um, I basically have all my stuff made. It's shipped there. They take it all in, put it into a Shapiro system, and it all gets populated into my uh, Shopify website. And I sell everything on, on, my, on my website from there. And I'll do... Um, I have a lot of friends or influencers or different people that will that will wear my stuff and create content and put it out there. And then um, I'll do some Facebook ads and and uh, Google ads and everything. And that's how that's how I market it. And uh, yeah, just sell everything on singlelife.com. S-U-N-G-A-L-I-F-E.com. Perfect. Perfect. Just like the script said, well done. <laughs> so we've been spending the last 30 minutes talking about your many talents but I don't think one of them is you being a fashion designer or are you? I'm not a designer, but I'm really good at having ideas or like things, things I like, and then working through a designer to, uh, to create it. So I, I created a lot of my own camo. I called it the naked warrior camo, which honors the original frogmen that cleared the beaches in Normandy and Iwo Jima. You can see naked warrior statues. They're basically a frogman who's just a, you know, one of the original seals in like the forties who is in a tiny pair of shorts, almost like Sumia, like a Sumia. And he's got a knife, he's got a mask. He might have some, a haversack mine and, and some fins. And that's all he has. And that's why they called him the naked warrior. And and uh, and I, I kind of re- that was another thing when I saw that, and it kind of I I knew about it, but it like clicked that it had this company, and I'm like, oh, I'm definitely on the right track, and and so uh, yeah, they I yeah, I'm not a designer, but I created created my own camo, created these peacock designs, kind of t- just working with the designer to kind of take my ideas and bring them all to life. So we've talked about a lot of your accomplishments. What are you most proud of to date and where do you see the company going? Probably most proud, most proud of is the way I handled all that, all that adversity when I was going through training and, and, um, it's also this, like what helps me the most when things are, when things are tough. Cause I've had a lot of challenges since then, whether it's just life relationships or, or business. And I knew, I knew what I went through and, and how like tough that was, but I always think back to, you know, these, these moments where my dreams were ripped away and I still persevered, persevered through. And, um, and then now what I'm most proud of is, you know, I want to, really build these companies to be, to be really successful. I have a few other ventures that I'm about to launch. I'm launching the Frogmen NFT, which is uh, if you've heard of like Bored Apes, Yacht Club, or um, there's CryptoPunks, but there's a lot of different apes and chimps and all these different things. So this isn't Planet of the Apes. The frogmen are here, and the frogmen are here to take over. So <laughs> I'm I'm launching that with some other some other seals. We're going to be dropping 53, 26 of them, and uh, the significance of that number is that the naval enlisted code or NAC code. Every job in the Navy has a different number, and that's like the number for the seals. So we're dropping 53, 26 of them, and we have uh, you know Ed Byers is 
is one of our executives, Rob O'Neill, Rudy Reyes, uh, Will Chesney, a lot of amazing guys who have done a lot of incredible work are um, going to have their own like one of ones, their own like individual frogmen for them. And um, yeah, it's really, really exciting to be doing that. And then I'm also launching with, with um, Rob and Ed and uh, my other business partner, Jesse, we're launching um, the challenge coin cryptocurrency. So it's going to be like the first military cryptocurrency, you know, obviously kind of lucky we got this, uh, this name actually Kaj Larson came, came up with the name. We're all thinking of different things like challenge coin, which, you know, military and law enforcement and first responders all have their own individual coin and everything. So it's kind of perfect for that community. And we're, we're launching that with, um, Russ Davis, who was like the main marketer for the Shiba coin, which was one of the most successful coins of 2021. So that's another really exciting project that we're on. So, to be able to create some different companies that have lasting value and, and help people and uh, try to help shape culture the, the right way. A lot of people right now are trying to be victims because it's just easier to be a victim. And that's what a lot of people want to celebrate right now is this victimhood where, and they want to say masculinity is toxic and everything, but really the thing that's lacking in our world now is, is, is strong men and, and mass, like real masculinity and people standing up for the weak and people that can't defend themselves. So that's what my companies are, are about and finding ways to continue to serve and everything. And uh, that's why I go ahead and do all these different events, diving and saving coral reef with the force blue team, swimming the Hudson river with other seals and Patriots doing the same thing with the honor foundation in San Diego um, and the adaptive training foundation, helping, helping amputee and spinal cord injury veterans. So, uh, and then just having all these companies like help support them at the same time, but be, a um, help help shape culture at the same time and motivate people to be a better version of their self and seek to be a hero and not a victim. Clearly your DNA is born to serve. And so, so thank you for all that you have done and continue to do. And just personally, I want to thank you for that. So it, it seems to me that you recognize the value and joys of a balanced life. Although it sounds like you work way too much. You work hard, you play hard, you give back. One of my producers lives by the Web Wilder credo, which is work hard, rock hard, eat hard, sleep hard, grow big, and wear glasses if you need them. But that's a story mm -hmm. for our next show. Mm -hmm. You participate in various charitable causes, which you touched on a couple. Last August, you were involved with the GI Go Fund's Navy SEAL Swim and Run, commemorating the 20th anniversary of 9-11. What did that event involve for participants? Who did it benefit? And how did it help those that it benefited? Yeah, so I've been helping out with the GI Go Fund for three years now. They they launched it first in 20, I guess it was August 2019, did again August 2020, did again last year, August 2021, and started off with about 30 Navy SEALs who swim the Hudson River, start in Liberty Park in New Jersey, running with giant American flags. Um, we honored Remington Peters, who who died Memorial Day a few years earlier. He was jumping in, jumping in with the leapfrogs. He was a friend of mine. We went through the combative instructor course together. And um, so we did did some push-ups to honor him and his sacrifice and uh, swam around Ellis Island onto a barge, did a did 100 push-ups, 20 pull-ups to honor our nation's diversity, everyone coming through there, swam over around um, Statue of Liberty. For Actually, first it was Statue of Liberty, then it was Ellis Island, uh, honor our nation's freedoms. And then all the way across to Manhattan, we were given giant American flags again, ran to America's Response Monument, and, um, and then did another 100 hundred push-ups and 20 pull-ups and that was to honor all the sacrifice of our brothers through all the all the wars um iraq and afghanistan and um and then then i raised a lot of money i think the second year was around seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or something it was at least 300 plus 
every, the, I think the first, um, a lot of money again last year, I don't know the exact number, but it's to help get homeless veterans off the street in New York city. So, you know, there's a serious pandemic with suicide and also homelessness for, for veterans. A lot of people, sometimes they lose having that important mission and they lose like the brotherhood from being in a platoon and they, they lose a lot of meaning in their life and, and it can really struggle. So it's a great way to help get them off the street through the GI go fund. It gets them a new clothes, a new apartment, gets them training for whatever job they want to go into. And then it helps get them back and bring meaning back to their life and everything and help make them a, you know, productive member of society and um, reconnect them with family and everything else. So it's very special to be a part of that. And I, I donate a bunch of my swimwear for everybody doing the swim. And um, it's a great way. That way we all look, we all look really good wearing single life <laughs> and, and um, you know, stand for all those things I talk about it at the same time. So we just talked about the GI go fund you mentioned Force Blue and the Adaptive Training Foundation a couple of times now. All those causes have a common thread with a military connection, but they're also very different in their own ways. There are thousands, if not tens of thousands of causes to which you could give your time, talent, and treasure to. How do you choose the causes that you're involved in and what does your volunteerism give back to you? Yeah, so I, the causes I, I typically work with are where I have a personal connection with uh, the CEO and, and like founders. It's kind of crazy. I, I don't know if I manifest these things or what, but it's, it's really awesome. I, so I was one of, one of my heroes actually before, before I went into SEAL training. One was Pat Tillman. Most people know his story. The other one was Kyle Maynard. He was born without arms and legs and was this champion wrestler and jujitsu fighter. And I used to think when I'd be doing jujitsu and everything, if I get blown up, I'm just going to be really strong for my weight class, the way, the way Kyle is. And then me and Kyle ended up running into each other at a bar and becoming best friends and roommates and traveling around the world together. And he helped me with single life for a while too. And then I saw this other guy on, a, ran, a random viral video on um, Facebook and he was had this foundation that trained amputees and amputee veterans. And I was like, man, that guy's awesome. He's an NFL linebacker. I'm like, that guy's awesome. I bet be good friends with him. And then probably six months later, I'm like best friends with him too. And we're traveling and doing all this different stuff. And, uh, and so after helping out with the foundation for several years and, and becoming even closer with a uh, Dave Abora, I ended up, he had asked me to go on the board of the adaptive training foundation. And so I was just out working out with, um, you know, different amputee and spinal cord injury veterans in Dallas, Texas. Then we did, um, it was at the end of the nine week training program they did. Then we went to, um, Colorado. We did a week of skiing there as well. Had an absolute blast. The Force Blue team, I've always been into the ocean and everything there. I dove at the Great Barrier Reef, saw the damage going on. I'd heard of this Force Blue team where they, um, they it was special operators diving and saving the coral reef. And, and I was like, I want to be a part of it, but I was so busy with all these different things going on. And randomly, the founder of that Rudy Reyes ended up hitting me up on Instagram and being like, yo, single life is amazing. One team, one fight. I founded the force blue team. We should get together. And I'm like, this guy looks awesome. And then we ended up meeting up and working out and became best friends with him too. And next thing I'm on the force blue team and going and doing all these missions and uh, just the best thing in the world to be. And, and it's like when you're, when you're on the right path, doors will open where there was previously walls and that just keeps happening over and over for me now. And uh, that's why when I get great opportunities, I have to, I have to take them even if I'm doing too much already. So, so now we have to be best friends. Everyone's pinging you. Yes. I, I pinged you. So exactly keep the trend going here for you. Yeah. So do you encourage other people to give back? And if so, what do you tell them to motivate them? Yeah, I absolutely do, especially um, veterans who get out and are looking for ways to continue to serve. And and if it's they got to do it with something that they're that they're passionate about. So if they 
like, you know, I, from, from Kyle, especially, and, and other SEAL friends who had kind of, you know, been blown up in Afghanistan, lost limbs. I was, I, I specifically try to help things with, um, with amputee veterans or, or ocean conservation, just anything I'm passionate about. So if maybe, maybe someone is, you know, likes kids who are in under, like my, my friend, James, he founded one of Floyd Mayweather that helps um, kids in inner city with, with boxing. It's called like gloves over guns. And, and so whatever people can do that they're passionate about is, is the best thing because then it's not even work for them. And similar thing for, for work too. I've, I've, I've gravitated towards work and ventures of things I'm really passionate about. Could I be like a consultant or work in finance? I'm sure I could, but I wouldn't enjoy it nearly as much as running around the world in a Sunga. So, <laughs> you know, I used this last week. There's a country singer named uh, Luke Bryan has a phrase, do what you love and call it work. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good, good for you. With a, with a bunch of my best friends and everything and trying to make a difference at the same time. It's like passion. It's trying to combine purpose, passion, and profitability. I love that. I love that. Jeff Gum, my newest best friend, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you so much. The company is Sunga Life. The website is www.sungalife.com. And as always, thank you to our listeners and viewers for tuning into this week's episode of Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details about upcoming shows and guests, please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Chris Meek Public Figure and on Twitter at Chris Meek underscore USA. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place, with a leader from the world of business, politics, public policy, sports, or entertainment. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.